Tales from Before the Grave with Kayla Spagnoli is brought to you by Real Podcasting. We're the people that take your passion or your profession and turn it into your podcast. Visit us on Facebook at Real Podcasting. That's capital R-E-A-L Podcasting. Now, enjoy the show. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tales from Before the Grave. I'm Riley Evans, and sitting across from me on the big brown couch is the person who's just, you know, bubbling personality and charisma allow this program That's to reach fucking the, 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 the heights of success that it has. And that is, of course, Kayla Spagnoli. Yay! Yeah. That's not a lie. You're doing fine over there. Okay. Not everyone can be me. It's cool. It's okay. <laughs> Easy there. <laughs> uh, we take ourselves so seriously here. Anyways, uh, moving to an uh, actual serious note and what, what will probably be a, a fairly serious episode. Um, so we we just, we, we record these in bulk. So uh, we actually just yesterday released uh, episode number 10, not counting the Halloween ones. So the Me Too episode. Mm-hmm. And... In the 24 hours since that episode was released, give or take a few, um, especially Kayla, but even myself, I've received sort of an outpouring of, of sentiment from uh, what we were talking about. So we just want to revisit that, Kayla. Yeah. Um, oh, I should also mention that because that episode, I got two new Patreon givers. Patreon yes. Patrons. Yes, patrons. Right. But there, we, we, we in the uh, content creation industry, we refer to them as patrons. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Do you want to thank them on air? I do. Yes. One of them's my twin. Okay. Thank you, Jenna. I don't know if you'll listen to this episode, but thank you, <laughs> Jenna. You uh-huh. weirdo. Okay. The other person is a fan. That's oh. it. That's all I know. Like their profile's totally blank. I think their icon's like a puppy dog. Oh, that's cute. It is cute, but I don't know who you are, and I want to I wanna thank you. Well, they're listening right now, I'm assuming, and they know who they are. Thank you for giving me your money. Some people are just shy. I guess. They don't like attention. Okay. You know, this, this episode could be listened to by 5,000 people within the next month, so maybe they just don't want their name bandied about. Maybe. All right, moving on. So, so thank you to our, our brand new patrons, and uh, how many are we at right now? Uh, three, but then I also have one person that is paying for the SoundCloud subscription, which is like a separate thing. Mm-hmm. So, and he also doesn't want me to mention his name. Well, there you go. So what's with people and not wanting me to mention their name? Uh, some people just aren't meant for the limelight, Kayla. I guess. You know, but, but thank you to all people that are supporting, uh, Kayla in this endeavor. Keep giving your money. Yes, absolutely. Keep giving Kayla your money. Give Kayla more of your money. If you haven't given Kayla your money yet, uh, you should strongly consider it because, frankly, what are you doing with it? Yeah. It's probably just sitting in your bank account. Yeah. Doing that. Saving money is just money doing nothing. You, sir, or madam, or person of, of indeterminate gender are stifling our economy. 
Yeah. And I think that you need to liberate some of that capital and uh, give it to Miss Magnoli. But yeah, give it to me so I can do nothing with it and then put it in my savings. No, I'm kidding. It's, that's not what I would do with it. No, the first things first is start paying me a little bit. <laughs> Just that, that's a joke. Or I could pay for that's my antidepressants. That's true. So I can continue doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You just had to bring it there. I know. I'm such a Debbie Downer. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on then. Um, where do you want to start this thing? Um. Uh. Yeah. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the people that um did you know reach out and listen to the episode. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess we'll th- first I'll bring up your person. So yes. your person is a friend of yours who yes. I I don't know. Yes. Uh, her name is uh, Erica McCoy. We uh we were in uh, a couple of musicals together. We were actually husband and wife in, in, in one of them, and that's where we we sort of bonded and we're friends now. But uh, she's back in Edmonton, so we're, this is a national program. As a matter of fact, we we have fans Ooh. all over the country. But uh, Erica, after she listened to this past episode, um, she she sent a very nice message. And I don't remember the wording of it exactly, but uh, but she sent a very nice message and told me to send her love to you, and uh, I did just that. So. Mm-hmm. And she also, thank you, well, first of all, thank you, Erica, for listening. And second of all, she also mentioned her boyfriend's girlfriend was in yes, the program. Yes, that part, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So not, I, I'm assuming not in Not the Ottawa. Humber one, but yeah. Yeah, not Humber, but uh, back over in Edmonton or in Alberta, wherever they're, um, I think their school's probably in Edmonton. But anyways, so that she was in the program and she was discouraged by how many, um, male identified people there were taking up the whole goddamn space ranging from all the teachers and all her all the employers and all the students so yeah that's unsurprising yeah there was also another reason um i can't remember i'm actually gonna look it up but uh can you stop for me for a sec did you say can i talk for no, I say can you stall for me for a sec but oh it's stalling dun, 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 dun. okay stop um she got, and here's the thing, she was actually, she dealt with, like, so much harassment. That's actually what ultimately caused her to drop out. Like, the, like, the, like, the entitlement of all the men in the space were, was, was, like, an issue and it bothered her. But the, the actual thing that broke sort of the, the camel's metaphorical back um, was the fact that she was just dealing with so much harassment, probably in large part because she was a woman. And uh, she is now going to school to be a pastry chef, which I think, frankly, is a, uh, uh, a noble endeavor. Moving on, though, uh, what was the general reaction and sort of the sentiment that you received from other people regarding that episode? Um, I think most people just didn't think that kind of thing happens to people at work or um, on work time. So I think a lot of people are shocked. I mean, maybe less shocked now that like the whole Me Too movement um, has come to light. And, it's and everything so that's happening in Hollywood, how like yeah. half of Hollywood is apparently a predator. Exactly. So I think maybe people are even less surprised, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what people's re- general reaction is. It's usually coming from a, a place of kindness and sympathy and support. Um, yeah, I, I feel like because this isn't the first time I've I've told it, like I've also written about it and uh, been interviewed about it for Slut Walk when I used to be part of Slut Walk in Ottawa. Um, so I, I know for a lot of people it's not a shock anymore. So 
yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm just grateful for people's support. Does it surprise you that so many people were that shocked? I don't know. When it comes to like sexual assault and stuff, I honestly nothing shocks me anymore. Yeah, it's hard. And I think it's hard a lot of the time for people that are like steeped within activist culture and, and progressive cultures in general, even if they're not necessarily actively engaged in activism, to sort of contextualize those cultures within the larger world, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are so hyper aware of things like this. A lot of people who don't spend time with people outside of, you know, progressive circles just assume that everybody is this hyper aware of these things. And the reality is that there's still a lot of awareness that needs to be sort of raised about these issues. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, you, as I adjust your levels, had a story in particular that uh, you wanted to share. So when I recorded the hashtag Me Too episode, I had the story in mind, but I didn't want to say it um, without this person's um, permission because it's very personal. Okay, so I'm not going to say the name, but this young individual I met from Tumblr mm -hmm. because on Tumblr, as you know, well, Tumblr is famous for having its like fandoms and stuff like that. So when you're vaguely familiar, continue. When you're a funeral director on um, Tumblr, it's really easy to find other funeral directors. And this individual also lived in Ontario, and uh, at the time, she was getting her license. Anyways, so she lived in part of Ontario, that was a couple hours from Ottawa. But her and her mom were coming to Montreal for a metal show. And she was like, hey, I'm coming to Montreal. Do you think, like, if I stop by in Ottawa on the way back or something, we could meet? or And I can meet uh, Jenna, too, because, like, she followed both of us and, you know, liked what we were talking about and liked us in general. And we're like, yeah, cool, let's let's meet up. So I met with her. Um, we grabbed a bite and went to go see a movie. And we were just talking about, like, the tough times we had in funeral services and so her story is that she was working for a very small town funeral home and that her uh, FDA, so like part-time driver person, was an older individual that kept like pushing himself on her. So like rubbing her leg, rubbing her arm. Eventually it got to the point where he kissed her on the lips and he wanted her to kiss her back. Kiss him back, sorry. Um... And she was like, uh, no, what the fuck? To make matters worse, she also worked with this guy's wife in the funeral home. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even surprised, though. Like, this this all, always happens. It's like, it, the, she always knows the wife. Yeah. I know. It's so weird. Um, yeah. And so this person didn't, she chose not to tell um, her mom and... You know, she wanted to have a good graduation and she felt guilty, especially because, well, she worked with, the, she felt guilty because she viewed this man as a father figure and because, you know, she felt like she's getting between him and his wife. So it's just like this weird dynamic. Um, and then eventually she took a break from funeral services and she worked retail mm -hmm. and she, um, he ran into her at the place she was working and that was it. She was just like, okay, I need to tell somebody because I don't want to get in contact with him and I don't want him to keep like coming to my work now. So I think it was her and her mom went to the police, but mm -hmm. 
but there wasn't enough evidence to like really do anything. Yeah. Obviously, like it's the police. What are they gonna do? Mm-hmm. But anyways, so yeah, she, they gave him a warning not to come near her. So at least that happened. But to make matters worse, to add to the story, um, when she was wrapping up her um, her obligations to graduate, she did it. She did um, five months at another funeral home, uh-huh. different town, all that good stuff. Yeah. And her preceptor was a woman. And her preceptor warned her about the owner. And the owner was actually like, yeah, again, pushing himself on this preceptor. So another scuzzball, right? Yeah. And he was like trying to have sex with her. Or he asked for oral sex and she would like decline him. And then he would treat her like shit for months. Like give her the shitty stuff to do at work that nobody wanted to do. Surprise, surprise. Um... So, anyway, she knew this about, like, the owner, and then she was offered to come back, and she could live there for free, like, at one of his chapels. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that that's how he was, and her preceptor warned warned her, and she said, nothing comes for free from the sky. She was just like, hey, fuck it. I can't work for this guy. I can't live under this guy's roof because he's going to make me work all the time. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'll probably get harassed by him. So she declined. And so currently she's not in funeral services. Um, she would like to go back. But I mean, like, she has major treasure issues. And even though to some degree she trusted her preceptor, at one point her preceptor um, disclosed to other co-workers that she was taking um, medication for anxiety, depression. Uh-huh. And her co-workers took her outside to be like, you don't need to take that. Like, as if it was any of their fucking business in the first place. And, like, why her preceptor decided to, like, you know, disclose her medical information that is that beyond was me. in any way appropriate. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, long story short, is this, she's 24 now. She has her license. Unlike me, she keeps renewing her license, and she does want to go back. Um, but even in her retail job she has now, she is harassed all the time. Like, surprise, surprise. Anybody who's worked retail, I'm sure, has been harassed. Uh, and maybe that's a little less surprising for most people who can wrap their head around, like, the bullshit that happens in retail. But, like, she was telling me that, um, there's an older couple that come into her store every so often. And the other day, there was just the guy there. And so an older couple, I don't know what age they're at, but again, she's 24. He was like, can we be friends? Like, can we hang out? Can you come over? Isn't that fucking weird? And, yeah, this poor girl is alone in her store, and she's just like, "Uh, I'm really busy, I don't have time, I work all the time, like, making excuses, so this guy would leave her the fuck alone. This can't get away from it. No. Such is the patriarchy, I guess. And, And I know a lot of people listening right now are like, oh, my God, why would she want to get back into funeral services? But here's the thing, right? I think it's important to distinguish between the work that somebody does and the environment in which they have to do the work. Exactly. I think the understanding is the, her environments thus far have sucked. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that was pretty much universally your experience, right? Yeah. So like the uh, wishing her the best of luck that she can find something different from you. But just because she's been stuck in a bunch of environments doesn't mean that she doesn't necessarily enjoy and, and, you know, find fulfillment in the work that she was doing. So it makes sense to me that she'd be looking for 
an environment where she could do that fulfilling work, but not have to be harassed all the time, which frankly, not, not too much to ask really. I know like nobody deserves this bullshit that happens when you're at work. She just wants to help. Like she's a very nice girl. She just wants to help people, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. She would like people not to kiss her when she's at work or, you know, asked to hang out when they're like, you know, probably triple her age. Yeah. That's just. Or disclose her medical information. Like, who does that? And that's another thing. I'm Like, is is that even legal? Like, I don't I don't I th- know. I think like I should like I should know this, you know, given what my B.A. is in. But I feel like like did you have did you have was it required to disclose stuff like that, you know, like in order to work there like did they have like medical records and stuff no i think they probably ask what you're allergic to okay but i don't think any place can ask you what medication you're on all right yeah i don't i don't know actually it's and it's it's almost irrelevant because regardless it's just something you shouldn't do like what medication somebody may or may not be on is none of your business and if they they do decide to tell you it certainly means that you shouldn't be telling other people exactly right also, like I said, I'm not going to name names, but if you're listening to this, which I think you probably are, I think really highly of you, and I want you to be happy and, you know, do what you want to do without being harassed at work, and you have, like, 5,000 pets, so maybe you should be a vet. I don't know. Or don't, because that'd be sad, because then you have to put down kitties and puppies. But anyways, you do you, and I wish you all the best. And... If you decide to go back into funeral services again and, and something like this does happen again, it's not your fault for going back. No. All you wanted to do was go and do the job that you are passionate about, right? So regardless of, of what other people decide to do to you in those environments, that's on them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another kind of weird, um, just like what are the chances of this happening so in the Me Too story, I talked about how I really trusted someone and then um, confided in him and we became like good friends. And then he started like calling me sweet tits and stuff like that, which I was like, uh, what the fuck? Um, yeah. So that guy messaged me on LinkedIn randomly. Oof. I shouldn't say randomly. It's because link- I guess we're LinkedIn friends. I didn't even realize this because I... Yeah, I, I'm, I don't use... The, the proper terminology is you're connected on LinkedIn. Right, because who uses LinkedIn that much? No one. It's, it's not just there. Continue. Anyways, okay. So I didn't realize I'm even friends with him. Um, But yeah, I guess he probably got a notification that I got a new job. So he messaged me to be like, I'm so jealous of your job. Good for you, whatever. Even though we haven't talked in like, I don't know, five years. And... He he's jealous of my job because he wants to work with um, indigenous groups. And so I found out from his LinkedIn that he's actually in IT. So doing something completely different than funeral services as well. And I like I, I was wondering. Like if I could, I was wondering, should I say something to him like or just be like, here's a link. You should probably listen to this episode because this is how I feel about you. Or, like, does he care or does he... I think he would care, but I don't know. This is the type of, like, shit that fucks you up afterwards Mm -hmm. that you ask yourself these questions in the first place, you know? 
Yeah. Because I know, like, when it happened, I messaged you, Riley, and you know what I mean? Like I said, it just, it puts you in this weird tailspin, and you play these mind games. It's the kind of thing that definitely ruins your day. Yeah. Yeah. And now I kind of feel like, I have this weird, (sighs) part of my brain wants to be like, just so you know. You make me really uncomfortable and here's why. But the other part of my brain is like if every single time I did something stupid and it made somebody really fucking weirded out. Like, should I, should I go back and apologize every single time if ever, maybe he doesn't remember. Like I do this weird thing where I, I do this like back and forth with my mind. I don't know. I mean. If if you had put somebody in the same situation of discomfort that he put you and they said something about it, if you contacted them like years later, would you blame them? No. Well, then should you blame yourself for wanting to do the same thing? I guess not. Well, there you go. Because like I think about that a lot. I think about, and I've said this in other episodes, like the time of my life before I was diagnosed with borderline and I was not a great person and I was angry all the time. I was in a lot of pain and I didn't know how to express that pain or show that pain. So I just internalized it and was a piece of shit about it. So yeah, I think about that time a lot and things I did and said to hurt people and a lot of times on purpose and somebody wanted to call me out on it. Like I would be like, good for you. Mm -hmm. Like I totally deserve that. Yeah. I think that's just part of, you know, like growing up and, and being able to like your past self and retrospectively be like, yeah, I did some things that weren't great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think and I think nobody's lived a perfect life. And I think we've all done things that that weren't great. And it's important to be able to realize that. Yeah. But, and I think that's something bringing it back to the funeral industry that like I think for a culture like what has developed in, in uh, the death care industry to develop, there has to be a real lack of like introspection and looking back and, and, and a lack of effort for self-development and self-improvement because otherwise people would be looking back at themselves like five years ago. Like people at, at 30 would be looking back at themselves at 25 and saying like, wow, I was horrible to people that I worked with at that time. Mm-hmm there's this culture that exists within our industry and it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nobody's speaking up. Mm-hmm. Well, you are. It's yeah. That's what this is about, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, okay. So remember a couple of episodes ago, I told you how I met somebody who was also a funeral director at the same funeral home I was, but at different times. And yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Quincy. Okay. So today I got the job and now I work with her. And today we're driving to an appointment together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I told you this, but uh, actually I started a podcast about funeral services and basically like calling out all the bullshit that happened. What would you, if, you know, if I gave you the mic, what would you say? And she was like, basically the biggest problem I had with it was all the commercialization. And when somebody grieves, how you, you take advantage of that and you try to upsell yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So no, 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 no. I was just thinking that we should probably actually give this person a microphone. Uh, Not literally right now, but just uh, later days, you know? Uh, I, I don't think she would want to go on record. Okay, fair enough. Continue. Yeah, I don't think she would want to go on record. But yeah, very smart lady. And 
she's like, you've seen some shit, eh? And I'm like, yeah, I have. Like, it's just, you don't even need to say it. It's just like this unspoken thing. And she's like, yeah, I don't meet too many other people that used to do it. I don't know. And that's the thing, right? Especially, like, like women who've been through that industry, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's unspoken in the sense that it's, like, the industry is so sort of, like, socially backwards when it comes to, you know, especially gender equality that you don't even have to, like, talk about what you've been through because you just know. Yeah. Because, you know, based on what I went through, there's no way that, like, another woman could have gone through this industry for as long as you were in it or, or as long as she was in it mm-hmm. and not have had the same experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember once somebody met me and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a funeral director. And they're like, I'm so sorry. Like, they felt bad for me, but they assumed what I did was different from what I actually did. Uh-huh. So they said that to be, like, kind of a smart ass, right? Uh-huh. But now when I meet other people that used to be funeral directors, that's how I feel. I feel like I should be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel you. I know your pain. I've been there. Like, we have this we have this bond now because, exactly. yeah, it's like this unspoken bond. Mm-hmm. Like, you're an okay person, even though I know nothing else about you, just based on what I know you've probably been through. Exactly. You know, and it's, I mean trauma bonds human beings right. even and even if you don't experience it together knowing mm-hmm. that you both experienced it or you've all experienced it is something there's an inherent comfort in knowing you have common ground with someone yeah and it's unspoken knowledge of a common ground right mm-hmm. it's like the how does that saying go it's like the enemies of my enemies are my friends yes exactly yeah totally that mm-hmm. well, yeah it's really interesting do you have anything else to say or do you want to wrap this thing up? Oh, man. I feel like that's it for for this uh, week's episode. But um, I, like I said, I do appreciate people reaching out and sending me feedback. And I hope people keep sending me feedback because I want to, you know, I want to read other people's stories or I want to, like, interview other people. And if you ever had a funeral experience, whether it was good or bad or whatever or you you want to ask me something like i'd love to hear from you and also give me your money because i'm poor okay don't give me your money no give her your money just like don't ask for that overtly come on give me your money all right no i'm kidding but no don't oh man but seriously do check out the patreon that's patreon.com slash tales from before the grave check out our reward levels and see if anything there interests you because patreon is not it's, it's not about take you know there it's it's about give too because if you sign up to be a patron of tales from before the grave you get something out of it that's right i'm just saying if you support the show please continue to do so with your wallet and or visa <laughs> Tales from Before the Grave does not accept MasterCard. Yeah. Yes, we do. We accept everything. But and also And your please, love. We accept your yeah, love. We accept your love 100 percent This is the best currency in the world. We also accept your questions because we're continuing to accumulate and hopefully we'll be able to do another QA episode soon without me having to Google questions people ask funeral directors. Mm-hmm. Something I just thought of now and we'll definitely be doing. So there'll be a QA episode uh, in the horizon. Cool. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of Tales from Before the Grave. That's Michaela Spagnola. I've been Riley Evans, and we will see you. (laughs) 